Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, what is going on, people? You know that sound is the unfiltered band. It means another episode of Unfiltered coming your way here and now live. If you're with us on Spotify, Apple, anywhere else you get your podcast belated, they're just as good as well. You can jump on board anytime. The Unfiltered Revolution. Get me on Twitter at Casey Stern. Officially, this will go down as episode 111 of Unfiltered, an October Unfiltered live. And thank you, Unfiltered Band. As always, we were presented by our good friends at Bet Online. We'll get to them in a couple of minutes. Lots to get to on this show. Three ways to watch us live throughout the course of the World Series until the conclusion of the season at noon Eastern. Get on my YouTube, Believes YouTube, on Twitter, all across social media. And then, of course, where the pod is. We've got a big episode today. This is where it is. If you're looking for a preview for the World Series, Matt Holiday, Jason Stark still to come on the show. My buddy Todd Frazier here in a couple of minutes. As always, we thank the folks at Bet Online. Basketball's back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online, your continued source for all sports wagering information. I've got live betting, free contests, giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet your favorite sports and events, whether it's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Just get over to betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag. You join and get your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. You have to use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V to receive your rewards. It's Bet Online where the game starts. Uh, we've gotten started all week. As I said, four hours of preview the day of the Super Bowl. We all are, uh, you know, big and and uh, bloated and fat by the time the game even comes around. So what's a week of uh, World Series preview going to do to us? Nothing. We're used to it. So an hour a day, here we are. And I get a chance to welcome in my buddy Todd Frazier, Flavor Frazier, to join me here to open the show. Hello, sir. Oh, I love the backdrop. What's up, dude? What's going on, brother? Yeah, that's for you, big. And then the home run derby day. I love that. I love that because the last couple of times I got you in the, the kitchen, which I'll tell you, by the way, is is actually a nice spot comparatively to John Gibbons. Gibby, the former Jays manager, who joined me on the show two days ago from his bed uh, with his wife in the bed at his in-laws <laughs> place. So, you know, I mean, he just he just living the good I life. So I not... <laughs> mean, either. Hey, look, that's why it's called unfiltered. How you been, man? You good? Everything's good, man. Everything's good. Just uh, uh trying to set up my football and then we got a baseball practice still. And, uh, that's what I'm out of fun. I love that. I love that. I want to, I want to start here. What's been kind of your vantage point as you've watched this postseason play out, what, what stood out to you, whether it's one of the two teams here or anything overall, I mean, what's kind of been your, your overall take on watching this postseason 2022 Todd setting up Astros Philly so far? Yeah. The, Pitching was the start of it. I mean, pitching was dominant. And then you see the Phillies come hitting um, the bullpens. I, I think the bullpens have been absolutely um, on everybody's team, you know, starting with San Diego, even though they didn't move on. The bullpen was Phillies. I mean, they came through with Sir Anthony and, and, uh, and uh, you know, all, all these guys, Alvarez, they're just so, I mean, the big, Biggest thing is what I'm seeing is good hitting, going to be good pitching. That's the case right there we've got to talk about. 
And two managers, obviously, that, uh, you know, I know you and, and anybody who's ever had any touch and feels, they say, with other these guys, just it roots for them to no end. Um, so I, I want to get into that a little bit. Let, let me start here and go back before I get to the series and, and go to kind of where the Yankees were, because you sat there. It's unbelievable that, you know, still we're sitting here and Lance McCullers, who I think was it was in the game seven in that series way back when, when you were with the Yankees, still pitching big games for this team. Obviously, people talk about all the garbage cans and things that happened because Bregman and Altuve are still there. But does it amaze you that, look, there's, there's a Pena now, there's a Tucker, there's a McCormick, a Framber Valdez. Like, what does it say about this organization from afar, Todd, to watch that they're still, sure, some of the horses you face in that big series in an LCS going back five years ago, but the fact that they're there every year and finding a way to change their parts along the way. Yeah, great baseball. And, you know, kudos to their breast. They found on the right uh, with Jordan Alvarez. I mean, Jesus, I mean, what a series he had in the beginning and in the Yankee series. But he's that one guy where if he gets hot, face him. Altuve still hasn't gotten hot. Bregman still doing what he does. It's a phenomenal group. And it starts with Dusty Baker, our favorite, our favorite man. With him at the helm leading. I can see the excitement. I saw the post game back, and uh, he's got a really good feeling about this Houston Astro team. So I will see what happens. Uh, you know, obviously, my affinity for him, I know how much you love him. I want to get into that here for a minute because I know how big he was in your career. And I know you've told this story to me before, but I always feel like the stories about Dusty that I love Todd the most are just how he finds a way to reach every player. Take for those who haven't heard you discuss this with me before your slump at a point that really changed your entire career. You tell me if I'm overstating that and what Dusty's hand was and kind of giving it to you the way it needed to be to get you to kind of write that ship for you before you went on to having a great career. Yeah, my second year, man, I was struggling. I was over 31. I mean, anybody who struggled in life and I mean, I mean, let's let's pay. In an over 31 picture, that's like going over 31 and getting people to, to, you know, use your product. You know, the boss is going on. So he kind of gave me a kick in the ass a little bit. He, like my dad, hey, you know, get your head out of your butt. Let's go here, man. We, we know how good you are. Look yourself. Somebody, you know, the management's looking at somebody else, whether they were or not. I don't know. It kind of got me going, fired me up again. And then I went about it. By the and um, management wasn't looking anywhere else. So it was very But I understood what my capabilities were, and I needed that. Every once in a while, you get complacent and you're what have you. And, and um, I thank Dusty every day, man, because I don't know if it would have happened. You, know? you never know. And he's just a different dude that way. I've talked about this plenty on the show, Todd. I mean, he just, his understanding of players, because he was one. And look, you don't have to be. Look, I think about it, and I knew you're a hoops guy like I am. Eric Spolster was a video guy for the Heat. He's gonna a Hall of Fame coach now, right? So you don't have yeah. to be necessarily. But how much of a difference does it make for these players that here's a dude who hit behind Hank Aaron and is sitting there on deck in the lineup, has been through all these moments? How much different and, and advantageous is that when you're in a postseason especially and when you're in big moments that you know that that guy's not just telling you what you should do. He knows because he's been through those experiences before. Yeah, it comes down to one trust. I mean, if a guy is putting you in this spot for a reason, you got to have trust and who better to say it than trust in that guy if you're going to second guess what 
he says, you better find a different spec. The guy that's been there before, you know, listen, you think about all the, all the questions. Hey, could he play in this area? Yeah, most of them could. But at the same time, dudes that understand back in the day era and this era and he, where he goes because he's done it before and he's done it well. So why not? Yeah, certainly, uh, you know, you think about the Astros. They're so loaded. Their pitching is so deep. How much is that the biggest factor you see in this series? I mean, because here's the thing, Todd, and you know this. I mean, you ride horses at the front end, and Philly's got them too. And the Yankees at Garrett Cole, who pitched, look, pitched very well, did what he could. I mean, he's taken out of the game earlier than he should have been in one spot. And they seem to have all the other answers. I mean, when's the last time we've ever seen any kind of team, even the team you faced going back to 17, that the Astros, they didn't have this kind of depth. The depth on his pitch at depth, Luis Garcia's thrown six innings in an 18-inning game to beat the Mariners in game three. Is that the biggest factor you see when you look at the difference between these two teams in this series? Yeah, I, I mean, it starts with, you know, the starters. I mean, uh, you know, your best players getting after I I feel like if the Astros get on the nothing, it's pretty much ball game. As weird as that sounds, and then it turns out, I mean, we saw in the Yankees series, um, you know, it was 2 nothing. 2 they made it 4-2. I mean, if they get two runs or more, it's like being up 8 Franmar and and all these guys coming in, you know, one from the left side. You got Verlander. It seems like it's guaranteed two Ws right there, and if they get to the, Pitcher goes seven or six or five. Uh, you know, I I, I want to see Frank. I want to see uh, you know Valdez on the road. I just want to see. I I don't think it'll be that. Just really well, well at home. If there's a chance he has to pitch in Philly with that raucous crowd, I think Philly has to get one win in Houston for them to survive. Let me ask you about that Philly crowd. <clears throat> you played in New York. I know it's not old Yankee Stadium. You played, obviously, City Field. It's not Shea, but still those are both you know, pretty crazy environments. You were there for crazy environments in both of those places. You played on the road against the Phillies many, many times. I know they weren't having the heyday at the time like they did go back to like 08, 09 when they're in the World Series back-to-back years when you're sitting there with the Mets and playing them. But... What is different about Citizens Bank and that fan base as a player? And how much are you sitting there watching that saying that's just a different beast? Because I'm sitting there in the poster. You know, I'm a New Yorker through and through, right? And I know you're a Jersey guy. We, I know how we are. But I'm looking at that thing saying anybody who thinks that's not the best atmosphere we've seen in the postseason, crazy. You with me on that? Yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's a small stadium. So the fans are going to be on top of you. Philadelphia Eagles game the year before they won the playoff, they played the Vikings ago. And I tell you what, if you wore purple that day, you were getting bombarded. I think this old lady, you know, she got crushed by people, you know, whether it was name calling or yelling, who you are in there. They're passionate about their crowd or their team, city. And it is, I, I mean, I remember seeing the replays. Fans are standing the whole I see that at the a soccer game. match sometimes. The yeah, whole game, Europe, Todd. The whole game. Not, hungry they're hungry for a championship again and um the playing there you know getting one win out of houston and play, playing their three straight out man i don't i don't see them losing it at home it's just insane 
Yeah, look, I don't want to get on certain fan base. Like, players don't like to do it. I'll do it. I remember 2007 covering the NLCS, and Brandon Webb's on the mound. He got two outs in the first inning, and they got to put on the scoreboard to tell people at Chase Field to stand up, right? Mm-hmm. So this this is like, okay, so I've seen not every place like this. This is a different animal in Philadelphia. I want to go back to New York for a second before I get to the Phillies on two fronts. I want to ask you about Rob Thompson, but – Judge, yeah. I know how, how much you love him, and I know we've talked about this before on the show. Uh, an amazing season, an unbelievable year where he bet on himself. Kind of two-part. How tough was it? Because you know how big it would have been for him to watch him go through what he went through in the postseason, and how much do you think he might have been, even if he doesn't say it, just mentally exhausted from what he had gone through in that finish of that season? Because I'm thinking human element. Yeah. From me, I'd be passed out rather than playing in a postseason. Yeah, listen, as much as it was an awesome thing, and I would never change a season, um, uh, it were, everybody was just, at the end of the year, hit a home run. I think everybody was just trying to get, get on base for him to hit a home run. You could feel like, oh, man, relief. Instead of yourself and playing in team baseball, <laughs> I think that kind of well you know they you know they barely they got by the guardians um you know in five games so you just saw they just ran out of gas man at the end of the day they ran, ran out of gas they had a couple injuries on nestor cortez or whatever they're missing dj lemayhew and benetetti and, and uh yeah I, I just think through the whole season for him bet on yourself good for you bro because that's so hard to do he's gonna get this going to be teams chopping at the bits and they're you know what's what Cohen a lot of you know presidents and GMs are saying like listen who cares about the tech if we want to win a championship you know our, our money's good let's go get somebody these are in trouble man if you want the truth you know Cashman's got a uphill battle with it didn't work out together they butt heads in spring training trying to figure everything out exhausted you know take what you want to say for the postseason Okay, you know, what are you going to do besides Rizzo and, and Bader? So um, it's a team effort, and but, you know, it's the way the, the way the season goes. Todd, I do the, and you're never supposed to do it, the if George was alive thing, you're not supposed to do that. But I try to explain to people that I when I grew up watching him, and people think it's a joke, like you open up the New York Post, there's a letter where he's apologizing to the fans for how, how much the team sucked. Like literally, like he, <laughs> he Judge would have never, been a free agent if George is there. He would have been a Yankee and still would be. I'm sure the Yankees will give everything they can, but you mentioned the Mets, and I think the San Francisco Giants are going to be the biggest problem because that that ownership, they tried to get Bryce, even when Farhan Zaidi came in, and his whole job was to get rid of contracts. The ownership still, because they like stars and they want to win, and that's the to me, it's the best park in the league, I think. And judge from the area, how shocked will you be I mean, lay it down for me. I don't want to give you the you, – you put it at north of 50, 50-50, south of 50, just your own gut. How shocked would you be if Judge is not a Yankee next year? 50-50 shocked. Just because if somebody yeah, – I mean, disrespectful at the end of the day. If you feel like you're worth a certain – and the guy comes back at a, a low ball price, what was it, 213? You know, I don't know what he was looking for probably north of of gotta be north of three gotta be north of three yeah i would say 320 330 whatever when you feel disrespected man 
one, you want to go out and prove yourself, which you did. Forget it. I, I, you know, from where we're from, that one guy that comes and disrespects you, I'll be nice to you. But at the same time, I'll never forget. So, I mean, for him, and he lived, he's from California, dude. That's the biggest thing to people. Like, That's what happened to Freddie it, it, Freeman, Todd. That's what happened to Freddie. The Braves it, let him hang yeah, out there. He went it, home. Is it his best interest to stay with the Yankees to win a champion? Good enough to you know build and win a championship. If they get judged, they need more pieces. I'm Aaron, I'm looking for a team right now that can win a championship. I mean, he's any more good years as he have five to five to six years. I mean, listen. So it's like, do you want to win a championship? Are the Yankees built to do that next year? Yeah, look, I and, and do they have the right personnel? Do they have the right people running the team? I mean, they got to plus the the look. They won a hundred games twice, went home in the shortened season. They had the best team, went home, right? So they got home a lot. I mean, I hate to say it, you were there. Two thousand seventeen, they easily could have won. You're up three two. They went home. Also, I want to ask you yeah. about. That specifically, and by the way, I want to say this quickly because you know Todd's the player here. I'm not, and let me tell people: anybody who says, "Well, 213 million is a lot of money," what do you mean? He got if you can make 350 million, and I don't care if you make 23 dollars an hour and you can make 35. If you make five and you could make 10, it is all relative to who you are. And they, uh, so I got no problem with that. And you're dead on. I mean, it's about 100 million less no that he should have been offered. Rob Thompson. So such a lifer, so long with the Yankees. I know you're there a short time when he's the bench coach back in 2017, right before he left. But yep, yep. how much did you see? He's so beloved by players. What is it about him that's different, Todd? How much did you see that this could be something that he could be really good at in terms of running a baseball team? Yeah, his interactor for a hitter. Um, the team meetings we had, he ran the whole show. I mean, his, his attention to de detail was top notch. Notch. He's he's a game, loves the game. He's gonna sit at home, you know, talk about the game, go crossing his teeth and dotting his eyes, and he just he's very smart. You know, I I remember the one game where they uh, I think he brought in uh, the lefty uh, Alvar uh, it was Alvarado Alvarez I forget Alvarado, Alvarado. Lefty, yeah Alvarado. Alvarado and I'm sitting there with Tim Kirch and we're watching. Way too early, and next thing you know, they didn't give up a run in the next four innings. Of course, you know, only Rob would, uh, would do that and understand, you know. The, and he just came on pretty much halfway through, if not a little less than that. So he gets it, and um, with the tutelage, I mean, he was under Joe Girardi for a little each other, and they worked well together. And now Rob just taken off a long time after this, whether they win or lose. Last thing for you, um, Bryce, competing against him, what stood out in terms of that, that made you just respect the way the guy plays, and how much does that lead to you not being surprised that he's doing what he's doing in Philly right now? Yeah, he's got ice in his veins, man. Always, uh, it, it, Whether he's out in front or not, it's the same ferocious swing. He's trying to crush us. He's done it as a young kid uh, uh, and, and numerous all-star appearances. I just gets it, man. Nothing seems to phase him. Um, <clears throat> I'm like, if this guy would just throw him three straight off-speed pitches, I'm wing mode, but he was on everything. So uh, I'm not surprised. He's a fun guy to watch, and uh, I'm happy for him.
Todd, appreciate you. Thank you for doing this, buddy. And uh, by the way, I just want to let you know that the Bucks uh, have not been great and the Giants are 6-1. and one. Just want to put that I, out there for you. You can have it this year, but I'm done. I'm done with everybody. And I don't oh, yeah. What are you do? I don't even want, we'll, we'll, I don't even want to hear that with you. Uh, appreciate you, Frazier. Thank you, buddy. Uh, have a good one. There he is, my dude, one of the greats in the game. Appreciate him. Todd Frazier for joining us here on the show for a few minutes. Speaking of greats, uh, you can find him at The Athletic, host of the Starkville Pod, and a guy who certainly knows a thing or two about that city of Philadelphia, among all the other things and numbers he knows, my guy Jason Stark. And speaking of which, thank you so much for a few minutes on a busy time. Jason, appreciate you, buddy. How are you? Casey, doing well, my friend. How are you? I'm doing so well. I, let me start with this because I was just talking to Todd about Bryce. You've talked to him a ton, followed his career, covered him. I, I saw the great story. The evolution of what's happened to him is, is kind of so amazing. What stands out to you most watching him now come through with these moments and resonate with that city like a glove the way he has in Philly? You know, he's in the right place. Uh, he could have gone to a lot of different cities, a lot of different teams in 2019. And he chose the right town, the right fan base, because I, I thought this for a long time, Casey, the passion of the player matches the passion of the people. And he, I don't know if somebody coached him, <laughs> Jason Worth, Scott Boris, his dad, whoever it was on what it takes to get along with people in Philadelphia, but he said everything right. He's done everything right. And now he just hit a home run for the storybooks and the history books. So he's an all-time Philadelphia icon, and he'll he'll go down as one of the most beloved Philadelphia athletes ever. <laughs> it's a short list. You had a great column on the what-ifs that, that anybody should check out if they haven't already, what, a couple of days ago. I, I want to ask you specifically about Rob Thompson because – Here's the crazy part about our sport. Joe Girardi is a terrific baseball man, a terrific manager. And just like with players in locker rooms with coworkers and offices, because we dumb it down to everybody, right? All of us who aren't players, you have to have fits. What has made Rob Thompson such a perfect fit to be such a huge part of this turnaround this season? Yeah, it really has been the fit. I, I thought that almost from day one. Uh, I, I wonder what Joe Girardi's thinking now. Um, I, you know, I, I know that there, it's easy to make a judgment that Joe and what's happened in Philadelphia are some kind of reflection of the fact that Joe Girardi isn't good at his job. And I, no. I think that couldn't be further from the truth. But Rob Thompson is a stabilizer. You know, Joe was a guy in the last year of his contract. Uh, he was very conscious of that. I think it heightened tension when this team got off to a, a bad start and everybody felt it. And when Rob Thompson walked in the door, he just brought stability to the group. He has a unique ability to transmit belief and confidence to baseball players. And he doesn't even have to do it with words. I've seen him do it in, in all kinds of ways. And just that stability that he has brought to that clubhouse and the way they play, the way young players have fit, the way guys have felt free to have fun and be themselves, I think has been a big part of this. But we also shouldn't underestimate the fact that 
He's a guy who managed a thousand games in the minor leagues and was around great managers on coaching staffs in the big leagues and just has a great feel for running the game and putting people in the right place to succeed. It's been an incredible story to watch because Rob is not a guy with a big personality, but he's had a big impact on the group. And his it look, and I think Joe Girardi's terrific. And I think he's a terrific guy and a terrific manager. But to your point, I think you're so dead on about letting the players be themselves. Joe's got the big track record as a manager. Joe's in a spot where, you know, it seemingly from the outside, you know, going to, I don't want to say use the word forceful, but certainly he has his ideas and ways of doing things. And Rob Thompson seems to have those ears, right? Which I have big, you know, cans on right now. But the, the listening <laughs> skills, he, you hear the players, they they love him because they trust him because it seems like this open relationship, but it also is in the room. And Kyle Schwarber and what he's done, it just jumps off the page. How about the story of Schwarber and the leadership and what happened in Boston, Jason, in that short time and now what he's done in Philly and really what he's become. I remember not too long ago, you and, I, and everybody else were sitting there at a World Series saying he had two AFL at bats and he doubled <laughs> off Kluber. Like, you remember, it was like sure, it was like Roy Hobbs. Like, how is this happening? How much impact behind the scenes has what Schwarber is and about helped then mesh and be an extension, almost like a point guard in the NBA, to what Rob Thompson's trying to do, Jason? Yeah, you know, people gravitate to that guy, and it's a big part of why the Phillies were so attracted to him. Dave, Bra Dave Dombrowski got this job uh, right around Thanksgiving in 2020. He had a very short offseason. He didn't make a lot of big moves or a lot of big changes initially. What Dave does best is he, he spends so much time around his team. He watches, he listens, he feels it. He doesn't miss anything. And he came away thinking that what that team really lacked was someone who had been there, someone who had done it, and someone who could lead in a way that maybe wasn't apparent so much on the outside, but was so important on the inside because Kyle Schwarber just has one of those personalities. Um, when you walk in the clubhouse, it's incredible how many people are gathered around that guy. They're so interested in what he sees, what he thinks, what he's done, where he's been, what he's learned, how he can help. He relates to the the, the youngest player in the room. He relates to the oldest player in the room. He relates to the guys who are just running by him on the field <laughs> on the other team. I, you know, I went to a, a Phillies Braves game early in the year where there was a disputed trap catch call in right field. And Kyle Schwerber was the runner on second. He watched the play. He tagged up. He went to third. The umpires ruled triple play because it was a catch, right? And he knew that that wasn't true. So he stopped every brave from running off the field and he stopped <laughs> the umpires and he told them, review this. I'm safe. I'm not out. It's not a triple play. And what, what I noticed was you had seven braves players as they were running off the field, they stopped and they're all hanging out with Kyle Schwarber because people just <laughs> like being around that guy. Just something it, about him. It, 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 you know, it reminds me of, the Red Sox, when they had their flip of the script and their first two moves of an offseason were David Ross and Johnny Gomes. And, you know, the, yeah. the importance of those kind of guys, and I know different players in terms of impact, 
but the impact of those kind of guys on teams like this, you've covered so, so many world series. Have you ever seen depth of pitching the likes of what the Astros have? We've seen maybe no. more top flight starters in a game three or a four, right? But overall, have you ever seen depth like this? And how do you try and put it into words to explain it? Well, they played an 18-inning game against the Mariners. Remember that, right? It was one nothing in 18 innings. And uh, afterwards, uh, Doug Glanville and I had um, their two great color analysts, Steve Sparks and Jeff Blum, on our Starkville podcast. And I can't remember which one of them made this point. They could have kept going for 30 innings. You know, 18 was, that seemed like a lot. <laughs> they had pitchers lined up that could have gotten them through 10, 12 more innings. Jose Urquidy hadn't pitched. Ryan Stanek, who had an incredible year, hadn't pitched. Those two guys have barely pitched in the whole postseason. That's and not needed. And not are. needed, Jason. I mean, they, it's. Exactly. You know, it's been a, an odd postseason for the Astros because they've had twice as many days where they haven't played in October as days where they have. So they haven't even had to utilize their depth except a game here, game there. And it it seems like it's such a huge advantage for them going into this World Series. The one thing I wonder about with all the days of rest is doesn't rest always benefit <clears throat> benefit the team that's least deep you know it allowed the phillies to to put their starting pitching back in order so that nola wheeler start games one two uh it allows their bullpen to rest and recover and the travel days will help them rest and recover so i do think it minimizes the depth advantage that you would normally see in this world series but it's still hard for me to pick against the astros even coming from Philadelphia, because I see so clearly how they've got the right pitcher for every matchup. And the Phillies have been able to score runs against the weak links in the staffs of the teams they played. What's the weak link on the Astros? Yeah, you can't you can't find one. I've said this before, Jason. They got answers for answers and questions you don't even know yeah. exist. I mean, that's how you get 18 innings in a game like they did against Seattle and find a way. Appreciate you. Thanks so much, especially on a busy day for doing this for me. Safe travels out to Houston. Enjoy the series, Jason. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Case. Always a pleasure, man. Appreciate you, my friend. There he is, Jason Stark. As good as it gets, as firms of people and in this business, appreciate him for hopping on board. You can hop on board with us, the Unfiltered Revolution, at Casey Stern on Twitter. Throughout, of course, uh, welcome to all those who are listening live or watching live, whether it be on uh, YouTube, on my channel, Believes, or on Twitter, at Casey Stern. You can chat with us along the way. It's simple. There's three ways to do that. If you're on YouTube, you'll see the chat box open up. If you're on Twitter and you're watching live, you can then click that box. You'll know, see at the bottom there that you can chime in. In and you could chat with you as I just put here right there along the way and we'll get your quotes and comments and questions and all sorts of things along the way. Matt Holiday going to join me in just a couple of minutes. I want to comment quickly on a couple of things that were, were just said by the two guests so thus far. Uh, first of all, with Todd Frazier on, on Aaron Judge, because I know a lot of people sit there and they, and they don't get it. And I said this about Pujols. I covered this when this was happening every day and fans in St. Louis were driving me crazy and going nuts about the fact that when he went to the Angels, he took $50 million more. 
And I said the same thing, and I've said this a million times, and I apologize to people who listen to me on radio 20 years have seen this a million times, but take a blank piece of paper if you got one. Take out religious and moral things because nobody should ever compromise any of that for anything related to money. Now I want you to sit there and write on the paper all the things you wouldn't do if I told you you had to do X, Y, or Z, and I'd hand you $50 million. I'll wait. There's nothing. Now imagine 100. Now imagine 150, which may be the difference between what judge was offered and what he makes. There's nothing on the list. It's not about, hey, is 213 million enough? I don't, I'm never going to know what stats like to make that kind of money. Neither are most of you. No idea. But I'm, not, I'm on the player's side with this kind of stuff and have been for years because it's all relative. I always use the same joke. I used to say this for years on the air. But I remember my like, first job, I was in a, a drugstore stocking like Kotex with wings and, and other crap. Massapequa, Long Island. Shout out to Harmon Drugs. Doesn't even exist anymore, I don't think. I make like four fifty. I think it was minimum. I was 15 years old. It was minimum wage at the time. If somebody over at Rite Aid or at the time there was Genevieve's and CVS or wherever around the corner would have offered me $5, which is 50 cents more an hour. I'm working 10 hours a week. I mean, I was in school, right? Not a lot of money, 30, 40 bucks a week. That's before taxes. I'm gone. I love you guys. Thank you. But I'm, I'm down the block. I'll give you the rest of the day. You ain't getting two weeks. You're making $100,000. Somebody offers you $200,000. It's an extra $100,000, right? So it's not about is it enough money. It's about just how much more money is it. It's about what is the respect level comparatively to what other people are making in your profession and getting paid, and who the hell else is doing what Aaron Judge just did? Nobody. Still getting paid. And I, look, I, I'm not going to sit there and say the Yankees are you know, in trouble in terms of you know, can they bring him back. They're going to try their darndest, but it's not going to be a solo show with that. And we'll get a chance to talk about that a little bit more here in a few minutes. Also, I want to you know, kind of read back and, and you know, circle back into this series as we sit now two days away of uh, the Phillies and the Strohs getting together. And uh, I get to uh, chat with uh, one of my uh, favorite people in the game hopping on board with me here uh, live, Matt Holiday. Matt, appreciate you, buddy. How are you? What's up, Casey? What's going on, man? I, now I know. I first of all, I appreciate you doing this and give me this spot. Please settle in. I, that's my fault. I'll I'll tell you what I told uh, Todd Frazier joined me earlier. No matter where you join me, it's good because Gibby John Gibbons joined me from his bed with his wife when he came on the podcast a couple of days ago. Which is anybody who knows him, not shocking. But at the same time, so you're comfortable wherever you are after work. At I appreciate you. I I want to get into the series, but I got to start here because I know how close you are to him. Uh, Skip Schumacher gets the job yesterday with the Marlins. Uh, how pumped are you for him? And I'm sure you've talked to him. How excited is he about this opportunity? Because he's obviously deserved it now for a few years running. Yeah, I mean, I I love Skip. Skip's one of my closest friends. Can't say enough good things. I, you know, Casey, I, I think I think it's it's been a little bit of a, you know, his son and his daughter kind of getting into this close to high school range. Uh, I didn't know of do, you know, being all the way in Florida and his home base is in California. Uh, but I chance to manage, and there's only 30 of those, uh, for him to get a chance to, to manage a team and kind of take that next step in, in his, his career. Uh, I'm really excited for him. And I, you know, I know that they have. Uh, I'll be interested to see, uh, you know, what, what it looks like and how they're going to better their team. Bend, it 
looks like their offense is a little light. Uh, but uh, I, as far as Skip manager, I, I think he's destined for that. I think he's a he's an awesome human, but uh, he, he's got a uh, you know being a, a you know I guess manager, but also demanding uh, you know sort of a, a a high level effort, and and I think that you know the way he played and the way that that his work ethic to did. Uh, what he'll demand from the players while also having that balance of, of being able and identify with what they're going through, I think is going to be a, a really good mix. And he's also, Matt, you know, that's been around and played for and now coached for some real good managers who you learn things from different people. You learn what to do. Sometimes you learn from managers what not to do, right, when you play for them. So he's got a lot of that experience, and I wish him the best. Looking forward to seeing that in Miami. I want to hit a number of things, but I, I got to start here because – I. You're, and, and it's not even from people in Colorado on this show in the last two weeks with the layoff conversation. And it's been a big one because of what happened to the Dodgers and what happened to the, the Braves. That 017 was brought up, I don't even know how many times, by me and many other people who were around it daily during that year. Because I saw other situations where, and twice with Jim Leland, the second time he dealt with it, he took them all down to Lakeland to give them simulated at-bats in spring training to try and fix it up. It didn't work. The layoff was too much. Your team wins, what, 21 out of 22 days. I remember you know, going through Philly, you go through Arizona, and then you just sit there. And other than yourself, I mean, a lot of the bats went quiet come World Series time. That's as good a layoff example as there is. How much do you think the layoffs really hurt teams like the Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves from the experiences you went through? Replicating the the intensity, you can try to play the simulated game, edit at bats. You, you, you just can't uh, when you're playing your teammates and you're trying to create this. Players don't want to hit their own position. You know, it's it's not the same. And so I, I think that there is, uh, I guess, for hitters, there's this momentum of playing every day and even as a team vibe of, of, of you just you have this edge where every day is a must win and every day you, you're you're being fed this adrenaline and this uh gotta win this game gotta win this game and then all of a sudden it stops in our case eight days i guess in the dodgers and braves you know in some of these this new format five or six days um it's hard to create uh and keep that moment, and then you roll back out, and and the, the first, you know, sort of kind of, you're trying to get your feet back underneath playing, and so I, you know, with the Red Sox, they just like punched us in the face right away. I mean, I, I think uh, they, we gave up two or three, or four runs, um, and, and and you know, it, it's like our, our bearings underneath us, and kind of get back in the rhythm, and, and before you know it, uh, they're, they're you know, they're and taking the momentum. And next thing you know, you're down 2-0, and then you're you're trying to, you know, get it. You know, it, it, you're swept, and we we got swept in four games. And, and um, it, yeah, were they better than us? You know, probably. But the way we were playing and the momentum we had, uh, what that series might have looked like if, if if we you know had a day off instead of eight. And and I, I think uh, the energy, the momentum, the the rhythm. Of and, and as baseball days off, you never take eight days off. Um, you know, once the season starts up, so uh, I, uh, no excuses. That's just the, the the system that we play 
with and, and there's there's nothing you can do about it. You, you know you do the best that you can to to to, to be ready and, and 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 no excuses that's just I always put it this way, and I'm not great at math, but I know this math makes sense. You get 18 total days off in a season, and then you got eight in a row, or they got five or six in a row. Just imagine. I mean, that sounds exactly as it is in terms of how different that it is. I want to take you back to what you remember, though, from that experience. There are so many players who have never been through this, even though you've got the Altuves and the Bregmans and, and Alvarez and guys there who have certainly been there. Most of the Astros were there a year ago. You know, from Bryce on down the line outside of Schwarber, a lot of the Phillies, if not all of them, have not been. Who are going to take ABs? What do you remember feeling leading up to your first at bat in a World Series, and how different was the experience, and in what way than what you thought it was going to be like? Matt, take me back to that. I think the uh, the energy, you know, leading up to it, um, the the excitement, the World Series, and and just uh, the the atmosphere. Around practice bridge and, and the people and uh, just the buzz of being part of the World Series was you know you just feel this excitement and sort of this anticipation as you wait to play the um, it, it's just different than anything you've felt as an athlete as far as just the anticipation stage of, of something you've always dreamed about as a kid and you've always wanted to be part of and and all chance to, to to leading up to the World Series, um, I, I think that the best thing in case they have four or five days off is to not tire yourself out. Uh, you know, with this anticipation in your soul that it just doesn't stop for four or five days because you you you're neck and and like you said, it's probably much less for Bregman and Altuve and and some some of these series experience now. Um, but for the guys that have never played in it. Uh, you feel like, like by the time you, and and you have to be able to control that emotion leading up to the game, game on game days. These game, games don't start until later at night, so you, you have all this all day. You, you wake up and, and you just just want to uh, you know you have all these things leading up to it, and then and you finally get to batting practice, and then you have the introductions and it comes, uh, of what you're used to out, out of whack, and you and you, you, you just want to get to the game because once you, and the, the competition. Starts, starts and it's you in the picture that feels way more normal uh than the game uh, uh so i think once you get in there and, and the first pitch is thrown and uh you feel environment and you're back to competing uh it feels more normal than everything else but uh every play uh is heightened by 20 compared to uh you know to you know even through the, the playoffs uh, now you're in the World Series, and every side that game, which could decide the entire World Series, and so it's exhausting mentally. It's so much fun, that, but you know, once the game's over, man, it, you're 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 gassed, like you're mentally and physically, uh, and you, and you need the uh, the rest that that um, so that you can get. It's uh, it's it's so exciting. I remember uh, you know being in Boston, obviously a great atmosphere, a franchise. And and uh, just the the amount of uh, sort of I, I... Matt, when you sit there and chat with Matt Holiday, when you think about you know go back to you saw as a competitor the beginning of Bryce's career, and, and you know Bryce Harper. It's, look, I, I said this yesterday, and I, and I mean this because I think it's a real comp. When you take on social media and this era, really. Th- 
other than LeBron, there aren't many other comps to what this guy blew a kiss after a home run in the minors at some point. I don't even remember when. He was like 18. People were giving him crap for it. I remember being at the first All-Star game. He's in the Futures game, and there were people saying that people were telling him how to know his role when he walked through because they had only heard stories. I saw it a Futures game. He overthrew a cutoff man, and people write articles. Oh, this is who like, he dealt with it in a different level. You heard all the buzz and the hubbub as he came in, right? He's being one-one there with Trout. What's impressed you most about the way that he has turned his career into now? this supreme Hall of Fame level kind of caliber path now that he's on. Casey, you're talking about, I think he got to the big leagues at 19. I think he went to junior college like at 16 or um, just a, a very kind of rare, like you talked about, you talk about LeBron, you talk about people that were rated, uh, at 16, 17 years old, um, sort of this put on this pedestal. You know, they can't make any mistakes without being criticized or or even written articles and major you know you know I, I think there was there was a knock on him for running into the wall in, in LA like you know that somehow effort that was too much sure you know that that uh you know he needed to learn how to control himself and then when you when you're put on that pedestal uh it, it, you get all the praise but on the other people trying to tear it down and, and so I, I think how he's handled all this and, and yeah, did he young, immature things, you know, maybe younger. Of course, he was, you know, 19 years old. No, so did we all. Major, we all did, yeah. right? So so part of the, the thing about being that at, at such a young age right, it is, is that people are, are nitpicking, tearing down. But uh, he's as he's matured, I tell you, you know, Dero and, and some of these guys that have kind of taken him under his wing, Jason Ward for kind of teaching him how to you know, play the game. I think now as he's he's advanced, as he's played in the big leagues now, it seems like maybe 10 oh, or whatever. Like forever. It is. He's like King Felix level. Like, yeah. how long has this guy been playing, right? Yeah, so I, I think he's he's just weathered the storm, so to speak, and, and is playing. He's gotten better. His swing mechanics are, are, are better. Um, you know, I think, you know, elbow injury. He's played all, all season with, with a torn UCL or a partial tear or whatever, whatever. Um, I'm really impressed, Casey, with, with obviously his maturation and, and you know, um, but, but yeah, just kind of weathering the storm and, 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 and kind of sitting. And, and uh, you know, we have the same agent. And so uh, I know a lot of the same, I wouldn't say we're friends, but I friends with, with one of his really good friends. And, and so I hear, you know, kind of it, it, about his maturation, um, you know, just where he is now compared to maybe when he was that young kid that was, uh, you know, a little kid had the right to be at 19 years old when you're in the major leagues hitting homers. You, you know, you're feeling pretty good. Good about. It. I think he's come a long way, and and uh, and he he's obviously been uh, fun to watch this post. Yeah, to your point, Matt. I said this yesterday, and I've talked to Scott openly about this on the air. You know, Bryce was in a position where people don't realize. Yeah, you get a 13 year deal. But he could have made $45, $50 million a year to the Giants or the Dodgers who were bidding for him for three, four years, been still in his prime, turned around and made more money. 
And he volunteered. He wanted a contract where I can't get out. I'm going to be like, that was like, to me, I like admire that. I mean, you know, here's a situation where a guy really had a plan and has had that now relationship with Philadelphia go to another level. I want to go back. And you mentioned, we talk about, you know, contracts and think about Aaron judge. Who you and I have talked about how fond of him that you are. And, you know, a guy you played with and a friend of yours and getting to watch him now put together a historic season. You know what those ABs are like way better than I do and almost anybody else would. How much do you think it took out of him going into the postseason, mentally going through what he must have been with that cauldron on him with those home runs at the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, I think that and only only people that have experienced that kind of uh, um, the noise of that, that and, and, and what kind of toll that took on him physically and mentally i i don't want to speak into you know what he might have affected it, it couldn't have been easy and and it is exhausting mentally when you're when you're trying to to get to that that get to that home run and then move move past it and now focus on the postseason and um it, it, he's he's such a level-headed guy that he probably handled it and with it better Better than than almost everybody else. Agreed, um, especially in New York. Especially in New York. Yeah, cool. I mean, it, you, you you it does empty the gas, gas tank, right? You, you only have so much, much emotional energy every day to to uh, to you know to bring to the table. And so I'm sure, but um, as you know, once you get to the postseason, you know, and he's the guy that at the meeting and they said, "Judge won't beat us." And you're facing the best pitchers, the nastiest pitches, and you're the guy that they're not going to let beat you. Is that you know sort of big time home run? You know every at bat Purdue because they're just not willing to give in and let you. Be. Did he get a couple pitches to hit that maybe? But I think primarily you know he was the guy that 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 every pitcher went out to make my best pitches to him and if. If I walk him, shoot, the heck with it. And so the postseason is is a tough time to hit. You're facing the best of the best. And so it's uh, I'm I'm interested to see where he ends up, Casey. Would you be shocked? How shocked, Mac? How shocked would you be if he if he's not a Yankee? Well, I think once you get to this point, be shocked. Now, you told me a year ago, you asked me this question. You said, are you would you be shocked? If he doesn't take it, yeah, I'd be shocked. But now, once you get to this point, um, now people in with uh, the red carpet, and here comes the red carpet from the John from the Mets. Here comes the red carpet from, from the Dodgers. You know, all of a sudden, you let people uh, they're, they're cast a vision of, of what their, their plan is for you and their organization and, and, and what you're thinking, and this is what we think, think of you. Now all of a sudden you you've allowed him to be be like to play close to home in San Francisco or play closer to home with with Dodgers and and all these great players or you know whatever the Mets you know we want to pay Aaron Judge because money is no object and you still live in New York you're in, in baseball and and so you you, you allow somebody to, to dream on what this get all the way to free agencies so 
I, I wouldn't be shocked if he, he – I don't have any information. But No, I, of course not. No. At this point, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, look, me neither, and I think especially because you know San Francisco. I think it's, I think it's one one in terms of the atmosphere in the park, and it's it's you know a place that they're going to have a lot of money and stars play, and it's a great place to play. So it'll be interesting where they factor. And I got two more quickies for you. One, I know it was a short time in 2017, but it's interesting because even before he became manager of the Phillies. Everybody I've ever asked about Rob Thompson is that any coming across with him, it's like it's one thing to say, oh, he's a good guy. And have to, I mean, literally, they just it, there's a glow about what kind of human he is. I see you nodding. What stood out to you at, in that time where you play for the Yankees? He's the bench coach that tells you that, yeah, you know what? I'm not surprised that he's doing this with Philly. Well, Casey, with, with all due respect to Joe, uh, most almost all of our our uh, our scouting meetings meetings um areas you have this meeting uh the, you know the, the position players are all in on this meeting and you go over what they're doing and and sort of you know you talk about the other team's pitchers and you talk about the running game do this scouting report and rob ran all those things and spring training rob ran spring training uh you know in, in 17 my family was in jupiter which is across the state and and planning out and when i was going to play and hey, you can go home. I'm going to give you this day off. We have an off day after the game. You'll have two days at home in Jupiter. Come back, meet us in this place. And, and he was just immediately so endearing to like, just a good guy. Like, you know, hey, you know, I want to, I want to help you uh, be around your family as much as you can, get your work in. Uh, a really good, uh, I, don't, I don't know, just a good vibe to, to how people in general and and then obviously has a ton of baseball knowledge he's, he's been around uh, he pays close attention he's um i you know i just uh, I, I guess him i just he's very uh even keel doesn't get, get too high doesn't get too low uh funny. um he's just a he's one of those guys when you come across you want to spend time with him you want to hang out you want to um, and and I, I enjoyed, really, really enjoyed my time with with Rob. I'm not surprised. I, I, I thought, um, you know, that if he ever got a chance to manage, would do a good. And obviously, it helps that they have they have really good players that have all, all gotten healthy. And uh, but as far as man, uh, he's a, he's an awesome, awesome guy. I'm 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 thrilled for him. Yeah, look, me too. And that seems to be the the resounding thought. I want to close with this, and I appreciate your last thing. Uh, you know. Uh, you you played the right way, did all the right things in the game. That's such as lip service you did. And like many other people, watched what transpired with those Astros teams. You had to face them up 3-2 in a series, lost them. Everybody's talked about it a million times. Fans keep asking me this, and I then keep turning it to players and writers who cover it because I don't really know the answer. They ask, like, is this still a thing? How much are people watching the World Series now? Now, you know I'm close to Dusty and know I love him, and he says just everything you say about Rob Thompson, you can put on Dusty. So that takes some of it away. You got a lot of kids who weren't there. But being kind of part of that from the other side, is there still a thing where players who were at any point opponents of that 17 scenario where they're sitting there watching and saying, hey, look, I still kind of feel some of the stench of that when I watch this team or not? Not really for me, Casey. Yeah, I know that they've changed a lot of the rules. I, I think it's impossible now to, to, to sort of come up with any sort of 
cheating. I mean, the the catchers. I mean, I like to watch a game, Casey. I like to be able to see the catchers. It's just because I'm anticipating. I can see, okay, he's going fastball in. Like now, like you know, oh, I hate the pitch count. I hate it. Yeah, so they're typing it in, and there's there's really no way to you know that I'm a cheat the system anymore. And so uh, a lot of these guys, you know, some of them were there, but a lot of them were obviously Dusty wasn't there. Their general manager wasn't there, and so I've moved past it. But I don't, I don't watch sort of hesitancy of, of whether they're doing it the right way or they're still cheating. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. I like to see uh, some new, new blood in there from time to time, but that's that's more of like just they've just you know what six, I think it's six oh, uh, forever. L- it's yeah. it's amazing. I mean, honestly, you know how hard that is. It's amazing. Yeah, so in, you in every year. That. Yeah, they they've done an amazing job of of building a team that kind of builds on itself and, and they keep bringing up young players that are good. And um, I don't watch it. I don't watch it that way. Casey, I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't hold any, any grudges, look at it through a different lens. I, I just enjoy good baseball and, and uh, you know, root for my friend, you know, obviously Dusty, like you talked about is an incredible guy. Huh. Would it be cool for him to get a championship? It'd be cool. But um, so, I don't, I don't like I said as a baseball fan I don't I don't think fishy about what they're doing I think they're you know above board and and like I said all all the rules that have been video rooms and all this stuff I, I don't even think it's possible dude you know I love you I appreciate you for doing this thank you so much uh give me time in the day to do this and uh, enjoy uh the series and enjoy uh, the at least uh, I mean, speaking of uh, you know uh, top flight uh, picks, uh, you certainly know about one. Considering there's a number one that's sitting there in your family, so enjoy the time with the kids and appreciate you, Maddie. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure, Casey. Appreciate it, dude. There he is, Matt Holiday, joining us. We appreciate that. And you know, first of all, thank you to all the guests, to Jason Stark and to Matt Holiday and to Todd Frazier for hopping on board today. So many great things. And hopefully if you're an Apple and Spotify, you got it belated, or if you get it live, you'll come back around to us again tomorrow, uh, which will be Thursday. If you're listening to us live, you already know that. If you have to question what tomorrow is and you're watching this on Wednesday at 1257 Eastern, we have a different problem. Uh, Tomorrow, Jeff Blum, Blummer will be here. Preview the Astros side. Gibby, uh, who knows where, from the sauna perhaps. Friday, Alex Cora, Anthony Recker. Rec will be with me as well. Uh, Billy King, Steve Phillips. Phillips, Ned Yost, all scheduled here over the next few days, among others. I, I want to just hit a couple of points before I wrap. The first thing I'll say is, is this. The Astros, to me, and I was asked this a couple of days ago when I was on with Sweeney, somebody had written in the chat and asked. So I wanted to ask Matt, because somebody who played against them in that 17 season and went through all of that, you know, he'd have a better perspective than me. But from where I sit, and I know what this is going to sound like, you know, I never looked at this entire Astros situation and said, Jose, Jose Altuve is a good dude. I'm sorry. I mean, he just is. So it's like that, that never really kind of stood out to me. You know, you want to say, okay, you're Bregman part of it, but then he's still there. But once they had success for years afterwards, it's not like, you know, the Robinson Cano thing, which happens twice. I mean, I hate to say that you fooled me once. We'll see with Mr. Pinworm with, you know, Tatis Jr. What happens when he comes back? You know, how long has he been using it? Did it get caught afterwards? Is he using it for performance, using it to be healthy? Who knows? Right. But 
they're not doing it anymore. So that's not happening. And there's so many other young guys in the team. And the point that Matt made is the right, you know, Dusty being there at the front of it. I mean, this guy's as, you know, the right way as you want a dude and a human and sincere a gentleman of the game as anybody. So I, I don't really look at it that way with the Astros, but some people do. And certainly a lot of Yankee fans, I know, certainly who are watching or listening to this live or on the podcast side certainly will as well. Um, Aaron Judge agree, would not be shocked. I'd be surprised still because of how bad the Yankees need him. And we'll talk about this on the show as we delve more into the offseason side of things and free agency in the coming weeks after the World Series. And I go to something and we'll preview this because we're going to talk about this a lot tomorrow that we discussed when Jason Stark and I were chatting earlier in this show. The depth there in the regular season of the 19 wins, it doesn't matter. The two teams are here, right? The depth last year, you know, in terms of, you know, who had what kind of season didn't matter. It didn't matter in any of the years in the past because, you know, some teams were wild cards. Others were favorites. None of that is important. I mean, the Giants in 2010 weren't even a playoff team in first place until the final four games of the season that won one of three World Series. All right. But I don't know, and I've been since oh four since be sixteen of them in person in a row doing you know pre and post on radio or TV or both, and you know now twenty years almost overall. This is the biggest difference in depth of a pitching staff between the two teams that I've seen, and that's more about just how deep the Astros are than it is about the lack of depth because the Phillies clearly, and it'll be Nola game one. We'll talk about that decision tomorrow and Wheeler game two, as we kind of preluded to you with Mike Gill was on yesterday. They've got two dudes and look, Suarez can throw and on the back end, Dominguez has been great. I mean, even though he kind of fell into it in terms of getting healthy and at the right time, the, the stuff is back. It doesn't matter. Alvarado been right. Even though it was wrong, was in triple a not long ago, right? Eflin, even though he's a starter, not long, ago, it doesn't matter. Robertson was the closer. Not long. All of that is fitting in to where you would want a World Series team to be. And it doesn't mean the Phillies can't win. But one of the reasons, and the biggest one, and I pointed this out two days ago and again yesterday, and I'll say it now, as we continue our preview for Friday, why my gut says Phillies in six, because I'm a believer in everything that's happening right now with Bryce and with Wheeler and some of these stars, and star power still takes you. But why I said Astros in six is, and I said my brain is because I don't ever remember depth of a pitching staff being this different between two teams. And again, I mean this, it is not a shot at Philly as much as it's a holy hell. Do you look at what the Astros have? The amount of answers that they have. The questions you don't even know you're going to get that they have answers to. The problems you don't even have yet that they have answers to those two. Doesn't normally happen that way. And teams that are not nearly as deep have had too much pitching depth for that other team to kind of get across four out of seven all the way now this deep. Cause remember all those innings, right? All that starts to wear on you. You need more depth even this week compared to a week ago. And the Astros are not the San Diego Padres. That pitching depth may in fact be the reason why the Strohs win this series. We have a lot to get to as we continue with you. We will see you at noon tomorrow, Eastern time. As always, we thank our guests again, Jason Stark, Matt holiday, Todd Frazier, and the biggest thanks. The folks who make this and help make it possible. We are presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.